Welcome to the Prescriptions Podcast, bringing TCM to mental health. Welcome to the very first podcast of Prescriptions. I'm Didi. I'm Sean. And I'm Huang. Master Huang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're here today to introduce our ideology of bringing TCM to mental health. And uh, it's a very, very um, current topic, I guess. We're starting to see the military and Department of Defense be interested in bringing acupuncturists in to help people with PTSD. And, um, there's like 450 people globally. 450 million people. That's correct. Globally who are affected by mental health diseases. Um, in the U.S., we're looking at approximately one in five Americans uh, will be affected by mental health in one way or another within their lifetime. So definitely this is a very pressing, one would say a crisis within our healthcare system, but it's currently not being addressed. So where do we fit in? So we fit in because the Western model likes to medicate, medicate, medicate. And we tend to believe that you get stagnations from accumulations of emotions. And I was talking to you earlier today, Sean, and like personally believe probably 50% of people who have depression really just have what we call liberty stagnation. And once you move that energy, you give the person access to themselves again. And with that access, I think we start to get into the ideology of um, healing the person rather than solely wrapping them up, throwing them in a label or a box and calling them this, that or the other because mood disorders, anxiety, depression, um, other psychological things are just becoming such hot topics and people not necessarily are looking to find an out but I think are needing help because so many people have to admit to themselves that mental health is a big thing and each one of us here I think have also experienced our own stuff so a part of I think what we're going to be talking about in prescriptions podcast is also to destigmatize any sort of emotions judgment or feelings about this whole realm of medicine and healing exactly and to also just for people who are feeling isolated or like they are stigmatized to give them some sort of alternative outlet that they could go to on their own to try and find a different way to deal with whatever mental issue it is that they have. Um, instead of sedating it to maybe just move the energy around so that you don't have a mental issue. Yeah. And speaking from a place that all three of us um, have learned and studied traditional Chinese medicine and thus we have a palette of different modalities but prescriptions itself is going to be focusing primarily on the herbal approach so the idea that um, there needs to be another potential outlet for people to get something prescribed to them without maybe as many side effects or um, it can be a lot gentler and an easier approach where I know of certain people 
who don't necessarily want to take some of the other harsh prescriptions and also holistic medicine and herbalism is coming up so much in today's world that we need to put the knowledge out there that what we do and what we can provide can have a similar if not greater effect so for my own personal experience like you know, growing up and even living here in LA, which I've moved here about four years ago, and I've experienced that almost everybody I'm in contact with have been affected or have themselves are struggling with mental illness. So today I just took my roommate uh, to her colonoscopy, uh, and then when we got back, we sat and ate, and then she was telling me in her post-operative uh, state of mind that she takes lithium and it's like and she was telling me this in such a, a way that it seems almost like she was shameful that she was on lithium um, which for me was strange because actually she's told me this many times before but each time that she tells me she has this kind of shame about about it and I think as a culture uh, stigmatizing mental illness is something that is uh, particular to the Western way of doing things because of the Cartesian dualism that developed in our own culture. And when we are able to look, change the lens, change the paradigm at which we're looking at disease, uh, I think we find that we can have new avenues of actually addressing it that are more effective and actually can empower us instead of giving us labels and giving us hopelessness. So some of the things that make uh, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, stand out is its theory um, about how the body and the mind are not two separate things but are actually connected. Uh, in Chinese we say that xin shen he yi, so the unity of mind and body. Right. Sounds like a good place to break away and talk about uh, how TCM views what we call shen and its components. Sean, you want to take the lead on that? So we have um, five organ systems in Chinese medicine. And don't get so stuck on the fact that when we say the heart, the lung, the liver, the kidney, and the spleen, that these are actually the internal viscera that many of us know in regards to our anatomy, but they also represent a metaphorical and an energetic quality inside the body. Thus, each of those organ systems has a beneficial or virtuous emotion as well as a more taxing uh, emotion that occurs within that organ system. And the first thing I want to make clear with all of that is it's simply an energy, or as we would call qi. This isn't uh, the person, this is in general an arc of a response that everybody naturally has because we're animals at the base level and we're in fight or flight mode. So when some stimulus comes across our way, of course there's going to be a bodily reaction. Sometimes we're not even aware of it. So these shens or these specific qualities within each of the organ systems um, has a nature of reaction and response. And what we're going to talk about and what we're trying to do with our medicine is just bring that back into homeostasis. Allow things to pass through, not get stuck, not be held onto, not identify with, because that's when we start to create further issues down the line. 
And one thing that I found um, that came to my mind when Juan was talking about this stigmatism uh, within mental health is a conversation that the, uh, we had in our public health course where we were talking about what we want to make this stuff cool. We want to make this stuff hip to say, I'm going to see my acupuncturist. I'm going to see my therapist. I'm going to see my life coach. I'm getting help. Exactly. Correct. And somebody saying, oh, I'm taking these herbs might be a lot easier than, oh, I'm on lithium or SSRIs or other sort of antidepressant type of things that don't have this sort of baggage attached to them. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point because so many people identify with the emotion that is bringing them down or causing a pathogen in them um, so that they only describe themselves as depressed or anxious. Uh, we treat so many people who are like come in and their chief complaint is anxiety. Right. Like what does that really even mean, anxiety? So it means you're stressed out and you're not managing it well. But that's how they identify themselves as an anxious person. Mm -hmm. And then they get Western medicine and Western medicine is designed to just numb that part. And so they become a numb anxious person. <laughs> Yeah, that's the beautiful part of, of our medicine is that it doesn't mystify emotions. It doesn't make them something like completely outside our control. It actually gives us a paradigm where, which we can see how emotion is as integral to us as our physical organs. Uh, it allows us, uh, it empowers us to actually approach our emotions and actually um, work with them, to integrate them, and to actually... Um, see them as a part of ourselves. So again, I'm going to throw out a few Chinese words here. Uh, in Chinese, we call this qing, zhi, zhi sheng, which means the cycle of control between the emotions, which is something we've been discussing. Um, it's part of our theory. It's something we learn day one of our theories class. Uh, and for an acupuncturist, this is something we always keep in mind when we first encounter a patient. We don't think of them as just physical, which is how Western medicine tends to approach things. We see them as an in, integral um, system of physical uh, energetics and, uh, one say, a mental or spiritual energy, uh, the three treasures of, of the medicine, which is qing, qi, shen. So why don't we break down, like, the five components that Sean was talking about that make up the Shen. So we have the Shen, the Han, the Po, the Yi, and the Jir. Mm -hmm. And each of those are connected to a different organ system and represent a different emotion. So shall we just start with the Shen? Uh, sure. So um, Shen, as in the Shen that comprises all the five Shens, or the Shen of the heart? The Shen of the heart. In particular. So um, the Shen of the heart um, can be called the mind. Um, so in Chinese, we often say Shen, meaning all the five Shen, but there is a small Shen called the Shen, uh, which is the integrating part of our psyche. It represents happiness. It also represents the feeling of being in control, the feeling that things are all together and that we are able to have an effect on, on our environment. Uh, in Chinese, the sh this shen, or the mind, is uh, related to the heart, which we usually call the emperor or the sovereign. 
important thing to remember about the heart is one of the things that you notice when somebody has a pathology is they don't feel acknowledged. Like acknowledgement is one of the big virtues of the heart. So when people don't feel acknowledged, they can feel anxious, they can start to have uh, anxiety and insomnia, sure. waking up at night, hard to fall asleep. Um, and a lot of that comes from maybe you're working for some guy who doesn't appreciate everything that you do. So all of a sudden you become anxious, you can't sleep. You go to the doctor and they're going to give you all kinds of medications when really all your heart is asking for is acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think there's the opposite end of that too. Not only is the exterior acknowledgement, but the ability to have some sort of unison with someone else. So you have the ability to create a connection, to want that connection, and to be content whether or not... Um, your desires or what might be an expectation coming from somebody in the office and um, occurs or not because a portion of that shin is also a unison within yourself and that kind of alludes a little bit to Huang's point about the larger shin which the heart is sits at the center it is our emperor it is something that is affected by all the other organ systems and emotions and when we get further along we'll talk about those relationships but the idea of coming into an awareness simply of being uh, satisfied rather than reaching out or expressing so far beyond your own self. Which is really hard for people because in our world everything that we're bombarded by makes you want more, 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 makes you less content mm -hmm. with what you have going in your life. You can't watch television, listen to radio, walk down the street without being hit with something telling you that you should want this, mm -hmm. that you should have this, that you're not something unless you do the latest iPhone, the latest whatever. You know, people wait in line for weeks for those things to come out right. um, because they deem it so important to who they are to what it means to be successful, mm -hmm. to be popular. And these types of things, I think, they, they're a trap because you can never have everything. And become a gauge in how we um, rationalize our communication. So the other thing about the heart is all about communication, the ability right. to speak. And so when we have all these measures, some of the things that you're talking about, controlling how we communicate with others, how we interact, people have lost some of that genuine grace of just being able to sit around, express, and really, as the quote is, speak from your heart. Here, here. Here. <laughs> and I like what you've been talking about, especially you, Didi, about how our society is all about playing into the ego. So the, the small shen, or the mind, uh, of the heart um, in in a certain expression is also what we consider the ego, it's, uh, our feeling of being in control. And Western society in particular has raised us to believe that you know, to be successful is to be in control, that you can't be weak, that when you're in front of other people, you relate to them by showing, how, showing them how in control you are. 
how in control of the situation you are, and that you're the boss, right? And which explains why in the U.S., um, 29% of our population uh, usually experience anxiety, which is one of the um, uh, patterns that is related to this shen. Shall we move on to the yi? Let's do it. So the yi is related to the spleen, and its emotion is very much in the realm of rumination, overthought, worry, this idea that we have some sort of thought, but without intention or action. And we really want to turn that into more of the idea of compassion and understanding. So where does that all come into play in people's daily lives? Okay, uh, I think as students we know what the E does. <laughs> so it helps us organize things. It's a, a breaking things and categorizing things. It uh, plans, uh, not so much for the future, but is more past-oriented planning. It looks at failures in the past and it prepares to deal with those again, right? It prepares by, let's say, I'm not going to fail again, so I'm going to organize better, do better. Um, and as students, we're, we're forced to organize things, um, organize information, organize um, our, our, our lesson plans, study for tests. And so this E that taxes the ability to organize, to categorize, uh, is a big uh, issue for people like us. And then in the body, it's going to manifest with digestive issues. Right. So a lot of people who have IBS, and constipation, mm -hmm. uh, maybe ulcers even, if it, if it gets to you know affect your stomach as well, uh, you, you'll tend to have more of these issues because your spleen energy is out of whack. And the spleen is very important because without it, you can't make cheese. Right. The center, if not of everything else that's going on, how do we digest not only our food and the water intake, but just life itself? Can you absorb what you need to, um, accept what is good and pure and nourishing to your body, as well as release everything that needs to just roll off your back that you got to let go of, that we need to um, move away from and not get stuck in the muck? because you've all been there where you're thinking and thinking and thinking and all of a sudden maybe you haven't even eaten you've lost your appetite mm -hmm. or or you stress eat right <laughs> it goes both ways and the fact that you can be so worried about someone that you even forget about nourishing yourself exactly yeah, I think that this area is probably one that a lot of people can connect with because this is probably one of the areas where I see most that the Western world is kind of catching what I say is up to us in terms of, I mean, they've recently admitted that, that you, you know, you're digestive system right. has a brain right. <laughs> and they're starting the functional medicine groups are really saying it all begins with diet, it all right. begins with digestion, which is where Chinese medicine has been for 2,000 or more years. Sure. So 
people will probably get on board with us a lot faster with these kind of things, which also affect your 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 mental state. I mean, if you have an upset stomach all the time or you can't plan to go to your daughter's graduation because you know you're going to have some sort of a GI flare-up or uh, you have a big day at work tomorrow and someone's expecting you to do your best in a presentation and there comes your IBS, that's all part of your spleen and the shen of your spleen as well. Yeah, for sure. So it all begins in the gut, while the Chinese have been saying it for thousands of years. <laughs> we call that post-heaven qi, which is, from the Chinese perspective, uh, your digestion is the core, the center of, uh, of life after birth. So after you're born, your diet is going to be determining the overall health, your overall state of well-being. So definitely the West is catching on. Yeah, here, here. Hun, anyone? <laughs> Honey, <laughs> <no>. okay. <laughs> so we have the general that is, the one that is going out and planning in the world, observing everything through the eyes, taking things in, dealing with the dream state. But where the Hun kind of falls off is anger, frustration. Mm -hmm. And we all know that whether you're sitting in traffic in LA or wherever you're from, or you just had some walk across your path that brushed you the wrong way that liver just wants to jump up and lash out yes lash out we all see that every day all the time people angry at what are really if you break it down pretty small things but they build up and build up and build up because the general's been unable to tell the soldiers to move out and take care of things or maybe uh, the hun is what we say what comes and goes. So it could also manifest as people uh, having maybe too lucid of dreams. Um, and I know that sounds funny to people because people try to want to have lucid dreams, but in Chinese medicine, we're kind of like, you really shouldn't remember your dreams. <laughs> if you remember your dreams, it means, you know, you have disharmony. Um, so maybe heavy dreaming, maybe actually even leaving your body at night not feeling comfortable or maybe just during the day not feeling connected to yourself um, this would be like maybe some prime schizophrenic action oh, as yeah, well for sure yeah so I, I with the hun I like to bring up a, uh, a certain distinction of the way um, Chinese have traditionally seen psychology versus how the West sees psychology um, as Didi was saying before the West is so focused on self-control. So for the West, mind is about the, what we call the little shen. But for the Chinese, we always look at things as being in a state of balance, of being both in control and not in control. Some things are within our controls, other things are not. So within the five shen, there are shens that are within your control. And these are the two we have talked prior, which is the, the small shen of the heart, the yi of the spleen, and the zhi of the kidney, which we'll discuss in a little bit. Uh, but there are two others that are not within our control. This is the hun, and the other one is called the po. Uh, the hun, as Didi was saying, is very much related to dream states. So for the Chinese, your, your psyche, your shen, your large shen, exists in multiple states, not just in a, a waking state, but also can exist 
within altered state of consciousness, as the West would say it. Uh, so dreams is important and very much a part of your life as much as your waking state. And the hun, in particular, is the inspiration that comes to you. So the artists, the geniuses who stay up at night and then compose their songs, who kind of like, you know, come up with these world-changing ideas, uh, your scientists uh, who are breaking paradigms, they are very much driven by their hood. So they're up at, you know, late at night at 12. One, two, three. One, two, three. Doing their hood thing. <laughs> I think that point on inspiration is really key because when you see certain pathologies like depression or just people that have mood disorders and they're just feeling down and they need somebody to get them going something in life something to look forward to and so much of maybe of what's happened is they've hit a wall someone told them they couldn't do it um, they didn't have that internal drive and connection to them and in the same way that's gotten repressed and really you know all we have to do is liven it up release it let it go free it up but so many people may not even understand that whatever they're feeling, this uh, lack of vigor and lust for life, can be altered so quickly. True. True. So go listen to some music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about the Poe? The Poe. Okay. What's the Poe? Nice. So the Po uh, belongs to the lung. It is called the corporeal soul. In, uh, in contrast to the Hun, which is often called the ethereal soul. Both the Hun and the Po are said to not be, not be under the control of the small Shen, but they um, come and go in different ways. The Hun is said to come and go from the Shen, while the Po is said to enter and exit from the Jing which is, uh, in Chinese, that is essence. So what is the main difference between the Hun and the Po? Uh, the Po uh, is more material. It is, um, 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 it, it brings in inspirations like the Hun, but not in a abstract, kind of like ethereal, um, m the muses coming visiting you at night, but it comes in very concrete form. The Po makes you more aware of your physical self. Exactly. The Po is the thing that... Uh, I live in downtown LA, so I see a lot of people who have mental illness kind of roaming the streets, the homeless that aren't getting the nutrition that they need and talking to themselves. The Po is the thing that keeps that person who's just walking the street from crossing when the light is red. It, may, it gives them that sense to stop, mm -hmm. that they're, they're aware of their corporal self. Yeah, it dominates all of our physical senses. And it's related to the lungs in our body. And when we have any sort of issues with the Po, a lot of things that surround that is this idea of grief and sadness mm -hmm. and despair, where, you know, you've seen people within their posturing that they close their chest, they roll their shoulders in, they hunch down because something has created so much density in themselves that they can't open their chest. They don't want to allow this deep breath to come in because they've held on for so long. And 
you even have things where people are crying. That's also so much related to the Pope. And I think, again, to our point back to expressing ourselves and releasing the stigma, sometimes that's all you need to do to release that, is to literally cry it out. Cry it out. Cry it out. Yes. Yeah. And the Pope being part of the physical teaches us that there is a limit to things. Like everything exists in a cycle, that it is born, it matures, it ripens, and then it passes away. And with the Poe, you see a lot with loss. When something is coming to an end and we're unable to let things go, uh, especially this applies to uh, people in their old age where they lose a lot of their abilities. Uh, for example, I was um, seeing this one patient in the clinic. She, is a, she was a 75-year-old um, ballerina. So in the past, she did, she, uh, her, her primary work was dancing. And so even when she retired, she still continued going to the studios. She still take classes. And so she compares herself to the 20-year-olds. Mm. And so she comes in. She says, I was dancing the other day, and I went home, and I couldn't raise my arm. Um, and it was on the lung channel. Um, and so when I palpated, it felt like very deficient, very weak. Uh, it felt like you know there's a mourning going on within her own body. Uh, but mentally, she wasn't able to let it go. She was like, no, I'm still that 20-year-old that I used to be. You know, so, the, the, so there are virtues to all, these, to all of these shens. And Chinese medicine focuses on how they are integral to our lives, but also relates us to the cycles of the nature. I think that comparison is really big, too, because we haven't talked so in-depth about the elemental qualities that the shen align with, but particularly within the lung and the po, you have this quality of metal. So we talk a lot about the metaphor, this kind of jewel, this metallic shiny substance, or even a mirror that holds a reflection of how you see yourself. And so many people, whether they're comparing themselves through age or through other beings, it really comes down to how do we value ourselves as those precious pieces of gems, and to understand that we are always shiny and bright, um, but sometimes we just forget. Right, right. It's a really, really important message for, you know, the older population, because we see so many of them who, you know, as Hong said, they don't want to accept that they're getting older. And I think that's a real disservice that we've done in our society to older people instead of revering them for everything they've experienced and they have to teach us we've made them feel like they have to you know Benjamin Buttons their life back to their glory days um, when you know your glory day is every day right about that chair about that chair <laughs> <laughs> so now we're moving over to the kidneys and to translate the chair we're speaking all about will this is that innate deep skill driving force mysterious knowledge that is cementing so much of all the other Shen experiences that we talk about so from the juror we live and sit within our lives. 
on you guys like that? No, oh, for sure. So the jie, um, it links us to the lineage that we inherit by being um, being born on this planet. So the jie links us genetically to our ancestors, to the billions of years of life evolution on this planet. So that's why we consider the jie as holding potential wisdom. Because in reality, we have all that wisdom within our genes. We have survived for thousands of years. We evolved, we have adapted to the myriad of life conditions that nature can throw at us. And here we are today doing a podcast. So definitely there's a lot of wisdom, there's a lot of knowledge and ability within, inherent within ourselves. Uh, but being able to express that sometimes is difficult. And often the journey of uh, fully you know, expressing ourselves, fully um, allowing all that wisdom to come through can be a very much a scary experience. So the, the jar being connected to the kidney, uh, the types of things that we might see happen physically with people uh, would be things connected to, say, lower back, mm. knees. Uh, those happen, you get aches there from what we, we, we call yin deficiency, which is a fancy way of saying we're dehydrated <laughs> like crazy, uh, down to the cellular level. When you are, especially when you get older, we all start to get a little bit drier, but imagine every day you wake up and your back hurts and your knees hurt and it's hard to climb stairs, the toll that takes on you mentally. And if you just had some good herbs to kind of rejuvenate those cells, it might not feel so bad. And what you said about being scary, Huang, is the key emotion there. We're all talking about fear and fright. If we want to break it down to, you know, back to the whole animalistic structure, you got to run away from some predator. Mm -hmm. and you may lose your bowels and you may urinate on yourself. And that's literally the body saying, I need to drop some weight to run and to fend for my life and that is really where that fear basis totally came from so we have also the whole um, as we say the lower yin genital urinary um, and bowel type issues when fear in place or even things that involve the reproductive organs basically everything from the waist down is predominantly um, correlated to the kidneys and fear is freezing stagnant people just get locked up in that place and where do they go what do they do mm -hmm. and you don't have to be old to have those you know issues with your kidneys your bladder I mean I remember a, a 26 year old friend of mine who had a car accident and ever since then he was trying to be an uber driver but he when he would try to go to his shift, he had to urinate all the time. He was always thirsty. He couldn't stop like waking up in the middle of the night to pee and pee and pee in copious amounts of urine. And it was all coming from this fear that he had from driving, from being hit. Um, and once we started working on his kidneys, like. He wasn't so thirsty. He didn't pee all the time. He was able to drive and make more money. And you know, it, it can manifest in so many different ways for people. And people don't make those connections. Mm -hmm. So and that's why we're here, to help them make those. 
for sure. Connection is very important. Because so far we've talked about these five shens as though they are separate things. But Chinese medicine looks at things as a system, from a system approach. So we see everything as connected and have a certain relationship with each other. And our practice is to create that balance in our patients, to educate them, to tell them about um, how these different parts of their psyches work together. So in America, yes, in the past, these type of kidney issues were predominantly seen in elderly uh, populations where they spent their whole life and now they have worn down all their jing, all their essence, and they're experiencing all these problems of aging. In the United States, you have 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds old, old, coming in, and they have adrenal fatigue syndrome. So you're looking at a, pop, uh, at a world where people are pretty much burning up their essence for the sake of maintaining their ego. That is uh, you know, disconnection, not seeing how everything has a part to play and then focusing on one thing at the cost of damaging everything else. I think we can all agree that emotions aren't in isolation either. You change from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, and again with this cycle that Wong brought up, there's connections between each of these organ systems that either um, generate the proper flow, kind of create this over control and stagnation, or the reciprocal of this kind of insulting cycle that literally leads to one imbalance trickling into many other places. So it's our job as practitioners to sort of dissect the person, to really dig in there and ask them about various experiences, not only that they're dealing with presently, but maybe something they went through through other phases of their life, because all of that plays important role in how we see them and really what we're going to do because there's also this concept of the root and branch mm. where people come into your office and they have this chief concern and we want to treat that we want to help that but we understand that that probably didn't occur you know unless some sort of an acute trauma uh, right then and there that there was a patterning there was a learned ability by the body to adapt and that's what the body's great at but what caused that and that is really what we're trying to get to that root level and that's really where this sort of shen healing um, makes its turn and you said like the t word trauma like there's so many people who have experienced some trauma in their lives and you know everybody's trauma is different to everyone just like they say one man's junk is another man's treasure uh, you know one person's trauma might not be another's and no one is here to judge what you consider to be your trauma whether it be rape or bullying or you know just having experienced an eating disorder because you were the middle child or something you know they're all equally relevant as trauma and they can all cause uh, a mental disharmony and all of these things are things that we try to tease out to help you find yourself again, your way back to yourself. And herbs are a really powerful way to do that. And we're hoping to bring that to mental health. Yes, yes. Without going too deep into the whole um, chemical makeup or qualities of the herbs or how they sort of affect the body, but just to give you a little glimpse, each of these herbs have their own presence and essence and direction to them. So a portion of 
understanding a certain diagnosis or pattern, as we call it in Chinese medicine, is to decipher, well, what's the exact right mix? And that's also the beauty of the herbal medicine is that not everybody is going to get the same thing. So you may all have a certain condition that someone's labeled upon you, or, but the patterning for us as practitioners could be vastly different. And thus the herbs that we select and the treatment becomes that much more individualized rather than this kind of blanket effect of, okay, one-to-one, you have anxiety, you get this. You have depression, you get this. You're schizophrenic, you get that. Those days, um, you know, are, are over in a sense, and we need to really move past that in a more dynamic approach. Exactly. I think that's probably you're hitting on the reason there are so many side effects for people, and why some people get some side effects and some don't, is because exactly they are all labeled depressed, but one person's depression could be liver chi stagnation, another person's depression could be from spleen chi deficiency, and because they get one chemical makeup for all these different things, of course there's going to be different reactions to different people. Um, And so that is the beauty of our medicine, is that we can make a formula that's just for you as an individual. And I think we've talked a lot about these comparisons between East and West and our medicine, this or that, but I I just want to clarify and make it known that also prescriptions is just one aspect of this total dynamic um, thing in regards to mental health. We want to incorporate and work with various health professionals because a person's mental health can be affected by their physical activity, can be affected by certain relationships that are going on. You know, they may need to talk to certain other professionals, and we advocate for that because this is a team approach. Absolutely. We don't want to be responsible for all of it. (laughs) (laughs) And people need to have different outlets because various times or phases or occurrences um, different modalities are appropriate, and herbs and prescriptions is just one corner of the market. For sure. So, as students of acupuncture, we actually are trained in both Western and Eastern medicine. Uh, more than a, I would say, more than a third of our courses are Western-based courses. So, in the state of California, we are considered primary care providers because we are trained to recognize and be able to diagnose those things that your primary care provider should be able to diagnose. At the same time, throughout our training, we are exposed to other modalities and other um, ways of doing things. Uh, At our externships, we work with chiropractors, we work with Western-trained doctors, we work with uh, yoga therapists. So we understand the importance of actually working as a team to help you. But we also know that we can do something very well. Um, A lot of the so-called trauma, which, you know, from a Western perspective, is just something people label on you. You are traumatized, um, that event happened to you, now you're that. But in, from a TCM perspective, that is just Jackman Chi, some kind of accumulation. So for us, we say, oh, that's not scary at all, that's not a life sentence, we just need to transform some phlegm. So for us, because we are able to look at it from a different lens, from a more naturalistic lens, we feel empowered and confident to actually approach it and actually address it instead of just mystifying it 
and saying that we can't do anything for you. But numb you down. Alright, so we've handled all five parts. We've talked about the herbs. It's been a really good start. I think so. Beautiful conversation with y'all. Nice to see you guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning, tuning in. in. Until, Until next time, time. salute. salute.